0: Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Acts chapter 12. We have just been moving along on this journey through the book of Acts, and um, just watching God just minister to us through this. I'm going to tell you a very good story. And then I'm going to minister from my heart today on what some would consider a bad story. Uh, But I love the Word of God. It doesn't skip over anything. And it tells it's brutally honest. And uh, I want to minister this to you from my heart. Let's read verse, starting in verse 5. This is the miraculous deliverance of the Apostle Peter. second time he gets delivered from jail. He starts a jail ministry, but God said, no, not now. And so pulls him out. And here's a powerful story. It says in verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant, consistent prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out to execute him, the night, that night, Peter was sleeping. You heard that right. The night before he's going to be executed, he is sound asleep. Lord, help us to have that kind of peace today. He was chained to two soldiers. There were 16 total guarding him. He's chained to two soldiers. And the guards before the doors were keeping the prison. So I'll show you in a few minutes. Or sixteen. So he's got all these guards. He's physically chained to two of them. He's laying in between them in the inner prison. The night before, he's going to be beheaded, executed in front of everybody. And Peter is sound asleep. Can I tell you, I don't know about you, but for me, it challenges me and makes me want to say, God, I I need that peace today. I need the peace that I can get so into you and so trusting you that on the night before I'm to be executed, I am sleeping like a baby. Is anybody else here today that would say, I need that kind of peace? Man, I would love to preach about the peace. He trusted fully in the Lord. Now behold, it says, verse 7, and an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison, so an angel shows up, light fills the prison, and he struck Peter on the side, said, get up. The chains miraculously fell off of his hands. I would love to tell you that in the presence of God, chains can fall right off of your life. I, can, I want to tell you that I, I'm the living example of this, something you've struggled with and battled with all of your life. You get into the very just presence of God. doesn't have to have a fancy prayer. do doesn't always have to say the right thing. Just being in the presence of God alone can cause change to miraculously fall off of you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'd love to preach that. Hallelujah. Then the angel said, gird yourself, put on your sandals. So he did. And then he said, put on your garment. I no, you notice that God doesn't do everything for us. Did you hear that? God doesn't do everything. He's going to come in there, but you know what? You need to wake up. You need to put your, you need suit up with the full armor of God. You need to dress yourself in Christ. You need to clothe yourself with Christ. You need to put on the mind of Christ. I'm not going to do that for you, Peter. I'm here to get you up. Now you need to put your shoes on, shake yourself. I've loosened the shackles. Now it's time for you to follow me into what God has got on your life. Don't be sitting in this prison no more. Don't be sitting around waiting for me to do the next thing and tell you what to do. You are free. Now I'm expecting you to get up and follow me and follow what God has got for your life. woo <laughs> Woo, it's good, Pastor Eddie. Hallelujah. That's not even my message. So verse 9, so he went out and he followed him. I love this. Luke is such a great writer, and he did not know what was happening, seeing this angel. He didn't know it was real, but he thought he was in a dream, seeing a vision. Then they went past the first and the second guard post, and then they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened automatically. Here's Peter just walking through these checkpoints chains are off. He's walking with this total stranger that he knows is an angel. Everybody's sleeping. He thinks he's in a dream. He's just walking right through this place going, this is so crazy. When I wake up, man, I'm never eating that pizza again last night, I'm telling you. So he's just walking through. This is just happening. Then look, and then the the door opens up automatically. I just love, I love God, man. And then it says, then he went down one street, immediately the angel departed from him. Verse 11, and when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me. Everybody say, delivered me. Delivered he me. delivered me from the hand of Herod. He's sitting there talking to himself in this dark alley. And he says, God delivered me from the, even from the expectations of the Jewish people. I'll go ahead and stop right there. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, for everybody listening here today that has ever been through a season, God, of something unexpected and had, Lord, even maybe their faith shaken, God, by the brokenness of this world or the attacks of the enemy. God, I pray you'd anoint me today to minister your word, to fill your people's hearts with faith today and assurance, God, that you said you will never leave us nor forsake us, but you were there with us even through the valleys. And I thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so Peter, he goes on, actually, he goes to the place where they're praying for him. It's an awesome story. And he knocks on the door, and someone looks out and sees Peter standing there. And he run, they run back up and said, hey, guys, uh, Peter is at the door. And I remember, they're praying for Peter to be delivered. And they tell her, they says, you're crazy. We're praying for Peter to get delivered. Go tell whoever that is to go away. It can't be Peter. <laughs> she comes back and says, no, that's Peter. They said, man, and you're crazy. We're praying for Peter to be delivered. It can't be Peter. <laughs> A a, a true story. And then finally they open the door. Peter walks in and says, What took you so long? Amen. So uh, begins to, but that kind of brings comfort, don't it? Sometimes that even when we may not have all the faith and praying with all the goosebumps, that God still hears our prayers. Amen. And they're they're ordinary people, like I told you when we begin to go through Acts. These are ordinary people. They didn't have an S on their chest. They didn't have a cape. Many of them never even saw Jesus. There was only the apostles that saw him. These were others that got saved along the way, ordinary people, carpenters and and tanners and fishermen and everything else. But they were used by God because they had extraordinary faith to just believe in God. And so then Herod takes all 16 of the soldiers. He lines them up and says, okay, how did Peter get out? They didn't have an answer. So he executes all 16 of these people that were supposed to be guarding Peter, but this, he's gone, and so that happened. What a mighty story. What an amazing story. So many truths in that story, and I love it, and it's true, and God does miracles. He sets people free. He heals. He, he opens up prison doors. He breaks shackles off people. He can set you free. That's the God we serve Every single week I preach those messages to you. I bring them to you. And I was preparing for this week two weeks ago. I knew I'd be in Acts 12. The Antioch church was Acts 11 and 13. I knew 12 was coming. And uh, just as a personal note, you guys know that my uncle been battling ALS, went home to be with the Lord Monday. And um, he's a mighty man of God was a pastor and preached at this church. You guys know him. And thank you for your prayers. He's in heaven right now. He's in heaven right now. Um, but as we're preparing for that, he went home to be with the Lord Monday morning at 11. And I uh, just prayed for my aunt, my cousins. They were there with him during this awful fight of two and a half years every day by his side. He's a hero in our family. And uh, Jim, my Uncle Jimmy was like a second dad to me. And, uh, but he's in heaven. So, didn't want to get all emotional, but as I'm praying for this service, getting up, and I was going to do something else, and God said, no, I want you to look at the Word of God, and I want you to look that I don't leave this kind of stuff out. And so if you've ever went through something that you weren't expecting, that kind of shook you a little bit, I want to preach this to you today. Look at the very first verse of chapter 12. I didn't read this to you intentionally. I want to show it to you now. Now, this is how... It began. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass people from the church. That's what the enemy does. He harasses the church, he harasses your mind. He's after your peace and after your faith. That's what he does. And verse 2, look what it says. Then he what? He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And then he saw that it pleased the Jews, the religious people that hated the church. It made them happy. So he went ahead and he arrested Peter. And it was the week of unleavened bread. I'll get to that in a minute. But I wanted to back up let you know that Scripture says, here you got James and Peter. These are two men that walked with Christ. They were in the inner circle of Jesus Christ. One gets set free by a miraculous encounter with an angel. The other one, is killed. So I thought I'd share with you today is what to do when you get James instead of Peter. The reason why I love to look into, I don't love it, but I I do love the Word of God and not stories like this, but I've learned to love them because the Bible is brutally honest and you and i are living in these days that the bible prophesied and talks about that there's going to be perilous times and crazy things happening around this world and as a pastor, my job is to equip you with the Word of God. I don't skip over things that are in the Word of God. I'll preach them to you. Why? Because you need to be equipped with the truth of God's Word. When you go through a tragedy or your faith is shaken, you can't overcome that with cotton candy sermons. You're going to need to find yourself somewhere in the Word of God and say, why did this happen? How did this happen? Is it me? I'm not going to pretend if this is really God. How do I get through this time? And I love the Word of God because the Word of God is brutally If we would just look through the the word of God you'll find that God leaves stories throughout the Bible for his people you and me to look at and not to dismiss and and just pretend all the time but to say hey man this is how I walk that's why David said this is how I walk through the valley of the shadow of death he didn't say God's gonna deliver me out of the valley He said, God, I'm going to walk through the valley, the most difficult time of my life with the shadow of death. But I'm not going to fear no evil because you are with me. It's not hype to preach that. That's truth. That's fact. Look at David's life. Look at the word of God. And we'll find that, but the enemy tries to come listen to me the enemy will try to come when your faith is shaken when you are having to bury a child when you have to do something awful like that or 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 go through something and then you hear of someone else getting healed this is this is exactly what you have in the word of god you have peter being set free but james's mom and dad are grieving james is taken in the prime of his life He's one of the sons of thunder. Jesus nicknamed him, sons of thunder. Remember that? He's the brother. He's strong. He's bold for Christ. He's in the inner circle. We don't have one sermon he preached, not one book that he wrote. Jesus invested three and a half years of his life into this man, and he goes out like that. If you don't know that, the next time you go through a storm, the enemy will come and say, see, what if God really loved you, if God really loved you, what did they say to Job when he went through it? His friends came and said, Job, you must have sin in your life. Isn't that the way we like to explain things? Job, you must have really made God mad. His own wife said, Job, will don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> How would you like to have that for your spouse's support? Amen, through a tragedy. But the enemy will come. But if we look closely in the Word of God, we see people like this church. I'll get to that in a minute. But you'll see people in the Word of God that were able to stand their ground. And to just give a little injury to insult, this is during the Passover. This is the week where the Jews celebrate God delivering them from Egypt. We call it Easter Sunday. We do it with Jesus, Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday. This is, it's called the Passover. Did you stop what they're doing? And they celebrate God's delivering power, while God did not, for whatever reason, did not deliver James. So there's James's mom and dad, who we know his mom's very verbal and vocal. She's the one that came up to Jesus and said, "Jesus, let my son sit with you on your throne," just like a mama bear. She's a mama bear. How many mama bears we got here today? She came right up to Jesus and said, Jesus, I got a question to ask you. My son, he needs to sit with you when you come into your kingdom. Okay, I just picture her talking like that. That's James's mom. It's funny mentioning that story because Jesus said, I tell you the truth, if they can drink from the cup that I'm gonna drink, which your sons will. She had no idea what he meant. Jesus did. She was like, okay, I'm not asking him no more questions. Here it is on the weekend, church, while we're celebrating God's deliverance. They're burying their son. I love the word of God. Because it's not, it's not, see the enemy and people try to attack the word of God and try to come against your faith. But I'm here to tell you that the word of God is very much open and clear. And it says, you will go through tribulations. You will go through trial. So what we do The Bible may not tell us exactly why these things happen. There is no, I remember reading this in my Bible study, my Bible course. There was no human good reason why James was taken. None. Not like Stephen when he was stoned. It started actually the spreading of the gospel. It was a very, God used his death. We have no reason what he used this for. I'm here to tell you that God will do things sometimes that you and I will never have a specific answer for. However, we look into the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you today because the enemy will fill you with so many lies and make you so numb and turn you into a pretender quicker than anything whenever something happens to shake your face. But I'm here to tell you, look into the word of God. You'll find people like this throughout their faith who had their faith shook, but they made it through. Amen. And the word of God shows us how to handle it. And that's what I want to look at. I'm, I'm one and only point today. Is simply this that we don't build our theology based on our disappointments, but we build them on the word of God. Are you with me? Come on, we'll bring us up. You don't build your faith on your disappointments. You gotta learn to get this. I'm 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 pastoring you right now. I'm telling you this is how you make it through. You don't build it on your disappointments. You build it on the word of God. This is why the just shall live by faith. They will walk by faith and not by sight. They will walk by what the word of God says. We don't know. And Job looked at his wife and says, You sound like a foolish woman. Even though he may kill me, yet will I serve him. That's what she said. That's what he said. Talking about having the kind of faith that the Hebrew children had when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And we miss this kind of preaching in America. We do. We miss it, if you ask me. All over right now on YouTube, you go to all these churches, and I'm not against, you know, preaching good, encouraging, uplifting messages. But I'm telling you what, you go outside, this is a broken, messed up world. And people get their faith shaken because you think because you're a Christian, you're going to be immune to it. No, no, the very opposite. Gee, Paul said, I say these things to warn you, that all those that live godly will suffer through him. But the good news is, is God says, I'm going to help you get through it, whose mind has stayed on me. Whose mind will stay on me and who, who will follow me through it. I could take you through Gideon and Elijah, who battled depression and was in a, in, ready to take his own life and said, God, didn't believe in suicide. Of course not. That's not the answer. But he said, God, I, didn't, I don't feel like going any further with you no more. Remember that we have that story in the Bible, in Elijah and Kings, and it was a small whisper that came in there. So if you're battling something or struggling with something, and you, some, somebody got healed of, of COVID, but yet you lost a loved one, that's a real thing. People in our church, some of you have had that. We have an 84-year-old man, Brother Ward, who was on a ventilator, 84 years old, on a ventilator. And God miraculously turned him around, and he's living today. He's doing great, isn't he, Kathy Leroy? Sits right over here. Gave him an extended life, while others I know, you've lost them. I've lost them, people that I know. And the enemy, I'm, I'm preaching this to you today because the enemy will try to come in and lie to you and try to get you to believe that God's not with you, or God's not real, or God's not there. And you need to learn to say, hold up, devil, because you need to learn what the Word of God says. That's what we base our theology on. That's what he came against Christ with. Was, was, uh, that's how Christ fought it? was the Word of God. and said, it is written, Satan. I may be struck down, but I'm not forsaken. I, I might be, a, I might be you know, cr- broken, but I'm not crushed. I may be feeling like I'm all alone, but he hasn't left me all alone because Jesus said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And the word of God says all things work together for the good, for all those that love him. I may not know it and understand it, but I'm going to choose to believe that today. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the guys in the New Testament that I love, the, I love the scripture left it all in there is John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist? He's the first guy that come on the scene to tell people about Jesus. And here's a guy that was studying in, in the wilderness for 30 years for a two and a half year ministry. Here's a guy that is, knows he's anointed to be like Elijah. I mean, he's like the New Testament Elijah. He's the one that is going to be the forerunner for Christ. He's standing there, and we're introduced to him first because he's telling everybody, Get ready, the Messiah is coming. Just like we're telling everybody today, this world's going crazy. Can you see the earth is unraveling? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And just like in their day, they were like, yeah, I know the scripture says that. and It's been saying it And the Messiah. We thought it was this guy and this guy. And John the Baptist said, no, no, Jesus is coming. I'm here to tell you. Then one day, Jesus steps out on the beach, on the beach where he's baptizing. And John says that amazing statement. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't it amazing? They all stopped. They all stop, and they look at him, and they go, is this the guy? And John said, that's him. No longer follow me, for I must decrease, he must increase. I want you to start following him. And the Bible says that John the Baptist's ministry began to go a little bit. He began to fade out, and Jesus' ministry began to explode. But he's still John. He's the forerunner of Christ. Jesus called him, hear it, the greatest prophet that has ever lived. That's better than Jeremiah, Isaiah, Malachi, and all of them. John the Baptist, Jesus said, was the greatest. By the way, he said, those, but those that are born again are even greater than him. Talk about you. So John the Baptist has got this little pep in his step. He's full of confidence. You kidding me? I'm the one that introduced J.C. to the crowd. I was his opening that uh, for three years, you know. He gets so cocky that John the Baptist goes and makes an appointment with Herod and says, I got something to tell Herod. So Herod lets John in because the Jews, even though they're under Roman oppression, there's so many of them, they were really, didn't want to, you know, it's kind of like the bug's life when the grasshoppers would come with the ants. And they, this was on the other day, pray for me. I get revelation out of bug's life, yes. And the grasshoppers intimidate the ants and make them think like they, they, they need the grasshoppers. When the one ant stands up and says, you got it wrong. You need us. For you know if we all came together, we would squash you like the bug you are. That'll preach. Some of you need to know that you're a greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And sometimes the enemy tries to make you feel like you're this. But if we can only come together as the church, if we can only do that, we will arise and see a great revival in our nation. Thank you, Bugs Life. So here is afraid of the ants of them coming together. So he lets John the Baptist come in. Now John the Baptist wears, he doesn't wear this nice jacket that I have on. He has camel hair and he eats wild locusts and honey. Hallelujah. He goes in there and Herod goes, okay, what do you got to say to me? He's up on his throne and he's standing next to his wife. He says, I just want you to know that you are... In sin, living with this woman. She belongs to your brother. You stole her. You had an affair. Then you married her. Both of you are in sin. You need to repent and get right with God. <laughs> that's, that's John the Baptist. Herod, Herodias was her nickname because she's married to Herod. Says, you say what? They had him arrested. John's like, okay, I'm in prison, but I'm the forerunner of Christ. I bet you he's down in there shadow boxing, you know, practicing his scripture, and he's spiritually getting pumped. Then all of a sudden, that weekend, it was Herod's birthday, so he has this big party. Herodias' daughter, which is his stepdaughter, is really pretty. She comes in half-dressed and begins to drop it like it's hot. And old Herod likes that. Oh, he holds that on that snap just for a little, he might screenshot that. He likes that TikTok, you know. He likes what that, he likes that, you know. He likes that little something, something what he sees right in front of him. So much he gets so excited that he says, you know, he gets in like this trance. He's intoxicated with lust so much so by his stepdaughter. Everybody say, ew. By the way, the first century in the early church was just as messed up as we are. I don't got time to tell you about how the transgender movement was nothing that has been invented here. We have it way back the first couple of centuries of Rome. They had the parades, men dressing like women, right down Main Street in Rome. The early Christians had to deal with it. And if they can overcome all these different confusions, and listen, if you're struggling with any of anything in your sexuality. And the enemy, again, will try to lie and tell you you're all by yourself or you did something wrong. I want to tell you today that, no, no, the Bible isn't silent with that. The Bible tells you that very plainly, that God has designed you for a specific reason and a purpose. If you would come to know him, invite him into your life, you can discover that and be set free from any confusion. Scripture says this, Jesus is not the author of confusion. So plainly, Herod gets so excited. He says, ask of me of anything you want in the kingdom up to my throne and I'll give it to you. He does. He's sitting there all drunk, you know. She looks and her mom goes. Her daughter comes over and says, what should I say? She says, you tell him that you want John the Baptist's head on a platter. He's downstairs in jail right now. He come in here and that fool embarrassed me in front of everybody. I want his head I don't care who he thinks he is or his God. He don't mess with me. Give me his head. Scripture says she backed up. She came to Herod and she said, I'm ready. The music gets quiet in front of hundreds of guests. Herod says, what do you want? She says, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. Scripture says Herod was like, whoa, because he kind of feared him. He was like, Herod was one of them spiritualists. They believe in everything. And they knew the miracles Jesus was doing was real. He was all messed up. But because he's pressured now, he says, okay. He can't back down. I'm going to take his head off. And the music starts playing. They go on. Word gets down to John. He's down and, he's down and waiting on that angel to come let him out of prison. I want to minister to you today. He's down there like you. Like me full of the Holy Ghost, full of God's word, has his purpose, has everything going in front of him. He's like, yeah, that's all right. Chain me up if you want. Guy comes down and says, "Uh, word just was declared. You're gonna be beheaded in just a couple of days when the celebration is over. I just want you to know that. You're gonna get a James instead of a Peter, John. And I love the Bible. This mighty man of God. This mighty man of God, mighty man of faith. Bold, full of faith, full of confidence. Scripture says, can I get a message from my followers and send it to my rabbi? He's also my cousin and I I, I just got a question I must ask him. And so I love the Bible. The Bible tells us exactly what that was. We get to read his text message. We get to read that message you know what you know what it is they bring it to jesus and jesus gets it and he's jesus is doing his ministry he's not by the way in the jail because the kingdom of god's got to continue he's got to do his own thing and he knows that god has got he's working something different in everybody's life but jesus is doing what god's called him to do he's doing his pattern of faith he knows he's, he's upset because john was arrested but he gets this message he opens it up and john the baptist says this are you the coming one or do we look for another Holy Spirit says, you know what, it's okay. You struggle in your faith sometimes. One guy stood up and said, Jesus, help my unbelief. I'm preaching this way because sometimes we just think that Christianity is all about the mountaintop. I'm showing you real men and women of God who went through exactly what you have went through and exactly what I have went through. Why my uncle being a man of God, I never even heard that man swear. The most godliest man I've ever met next to my dad goes out at 62 years old. And the enemy tries to come when he hits these things, just like he did to James' parents, just like he did John. And it's okay, I'm telling you as your pastor, it's okay to take a knock back and to fall down and go, whoa, I need, I need to look into here, God. I don't know what to do, Jesus. But he went right to Jesus and said, Jesus, what do I do? It's okay. And I love Jesus. Jesus. I love how he, he says this earlier. He says, I will not break a bruised reed nor put out a smoldering fire. You ever go camping and you, someone's job was to put the fire out, but they didn't? You wake up in the morning, and it's still going. Or you may put it out and it's just smoldering. You ever see a campfire smolder? Jesus says when you and I sometimes in our faith get to that place, when your fire isn't burning hot, it's just smoldering." I love it. Jesus said, I won't pour water on you. If you're like a reed in the wind and you're, you're not standing strong, like full of the Holy Spirit, like Pastor Eddie is all the time, and, and he's not as strong as Melinda is all the time, or he's not as strong as Connie is all the time, if you're kind of bent over, Jesus said, I won't break a bruised reed, and I won't put out a smoldering f- fire, but I'll fan those flames. <laughs> uh, who am I talking to today? Whose flame needs to be fanned a little bit? Jesus says, You go tell John, takes that paper. It's my cousin. You go tell John that I'm still doing miracles today, that the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and the dead are raised. And blessed is he who's not offended in me when they get a James instead of a Peter. love the Bible. The Bible is not boring. You're boring if you think it's boring. Come on. That's why I say, don't read the Bible. Learn your Bible. Right. Because when I get hit with a tragedy, I've learned to do this. Instead of saying why, and you're going to have answers, you're going to have questions, but instead of why, I always go, what does the word of God say? Find myself in the Bible. So I had to find myself. Was there a man of God like my uncle? Uh, Was there a man of God like like someone else I know? Was there a man of God like this or or like that? That died seemingly in the prime of their life and the word of God says, yeah, it's right here. Take your pick. (laughs) Mm. So he says two things there. One, he says, and this will help you focus on what I am. Go tell John to focus on what I am doing. Focus on the living. Focus on the fact that the blind are being are seeing. Focus on the fact that the lame are walking. Focus on the fact that there are people being saved. Focus and rejoice with those who did get healed. Focus and rejoice for those that get, did get married, and you've been single, and you've been too many bridesmaids. You don't want to be asked any more time. Going to any more weddings? When is my time going to come? Rejoice with those who did get their miracle. Rejoice with those who did get their healing. This is how you overcome, John. And secondly, don't get offended scandal on some of you guys went through a life group specifically dealing with this topic which simply means a stumbling block blessed is he who doesn't stumble in their faith over things they can't understand okay okay lord i can make it word got back to john Scripture and church tradition says they brought John out and says, "You got one more chance. If you cave in, apologize to Herodias and for embarrassing her, we might let you go." He looked at her and says, "You are in sin, and this is an abomination, and you need to repent before Almighty God." That was John the Baptist's last words. He went out like a boss. He stood that ground. And I'm here to tell you, church, I don't care what this world throws at us because the Bible predicts that it's going to get even worse. Things that you don't even understand. It's going to continue to happen. Jesus says, so much so even the very elect can be deceived in the last days. So this is not a time to have a little scripture of cotton candy and Twinkies all the time. We have got to get into our Bibles ourselves and look for ourselves of how to overcome because the enemy just like he did Peter, he will come for your faith and he will come during times when you're shaken and think you've prayed for but it didn't get answered or you have standing here and watched someone else get that very blessing, I'm here to tell you that don't be the one that accuses God but stand back like John the Baptist and say, I don't understand it but I'm going to stay true to my assignment. <laughs> Hallelujah. Who am I preaching to today? Who needs to hear this today besides me? You're not by yourself. God is still on his throne he, and he reserves the right and his sovereignty. He reserves the right, as Paul says in Romans 9 and Romans 11, how dare us as the clay to question the potter and say, who are you to make things happen like this? God reserves the right in his sovereignty to do what he wants to do. And he don't have to ask my opinion. I know that's hard, but that's how we're going to get over it. Now let me give you the good news. Paul says when we get shaken like this, we don't have to be like those who have no hope. If you lost a loved one or a job, it doesn't have to be something that serious. It can be anything. But The enemy will come at you. My first prayer request was, God, make me a millionaire. I honestly prayed that. I was making these deliveries in a very rich part of Michigan, e <laughs> I'm from Ecorse. Context. Never lived in a house bigger than 2,000 square foot my whole life. My friends all apartments and just the way it was. And I got this job and I pulled into this place, was making deliveries. And I don't know why, Plymouth, St. Clair Shores. And I remember praying, oh, seriously, God, give me a million dollars and I will use it for your kingdom. I, will, I, was, I was legit. That's the thing. I was serious. And you know what? I'm still waiting on that million dollars. <laughs> Something like that can get you set back, though. And I remember during that time, my pastor stood up and, at our church. It was a pretty good-sized church, and someone gave him a Mercedes-Benz. He had to drive to Arizona to get it. It was a, la- a woman who watched his ministry for years and was saved in the family. It was a great testimony. And he's telling that story how he got a Mercedes-Benz. And I'm sitting there, that's supposed to be my blessing. So carnal and selfish. You know God can work on you sitting in those pews right now so much. Just about a year and a half later he got in an accident and a car back in him and if he didn't have that nice big strong German made car it would have went through him and killed kids that was in the back not buckled up in the back of a caravan. It's a long story but God totally totaled his Mercedes. So he says God made it just made me have it for that long so then I was like okay god I'm not going I'm not going to pray that anymore <laughs> anyway anyway but John went on like a champion so did the early church the scripture says that back to acts James's mother all of them now let's read that first verse that I read to you Peter was also taken but they were waiting for after the passover he was therefore kept in prison, but earnest prayer was offered to God for him by the church. What am I saying? Paul said that we're going to go through troubles and trials. We're going to go through it, but it's to perfect our faith. And if you do lose someone or something, you know what, my uncle, and this was my first day was tough. Second day was tough, but you know what, I begin to, every day I say this, thank you, God, Then my Uncle Jimmy is healed. Do you know five seconds, five seconds in heaven, he is so overwhelmed with joy and peace. He is seeing those angels that he has read about, every sermon he's ever preached. Everything he's ever done, he's poured into people. Every Wednesday night, he was my Royal Ranger commander, my, my, youth command, my youth pastor, my Sunday school teacher, so you know you needed to pray for that man, him and my aunt. I, we would have lock-ins where you, where you spend the night all night in the church to raise money and keep your rocking chair going. You don't even want to know what I did there at any time. But he stayed faithful to God for so long. But he's, he's in heaven I don't mean to preach his funeral, but I'm just telling you this is where I'm at today and I'm sharing it with you today. This is how we overcome by this. But us, but us, you and me, we keep doing what that next verse says, that they went on. Constant prayer was given for Peter. I don't know why James didn't get set free, but God, I'm going to keep believing you still do miracles, you still heal people, you still save people, and I'm going to rejoice with them, I'm going to thank you for that, I'm going to focus my faith on that, and I'm not going to be offended if I ever get a James instead of a Peter, because you're the God of both. Come on, won't you stand with me today, I don't know who needs to hear a message like this, but... We're in Acts 12. This is where it happened. God gave it to us. And I love the word of God. It's it's there to nourish you and me. To help us get through those times. So the enemy comes. He will come. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, Satan has asked for you. So watch this, but i prayed that your faith would not fail. He was coming after his faith. And when Jesus was hanging on a cross, even though he told Peter he was going to die, Peter still was shaking. And, ah. Did you hear James's mom in the church go, Oh, God, he didn't deliver James. I ain't praying for Peter. This thing ain't real. I quit. I ain't going to church no more. I, I quit, God. You, you, James, we, he was young. Oh, man. You don't hear that. You don't hear that. And when I hear that, I say, okay, God, I'm not gonna do it either, but I'm gonna go and I'm gonna have constant prayer for Peter. I'm gonna keep believing. I'm gonna keep preaching. I'm gonna keep teaching. I'm going to keep pouring into people. I'm going to keep reading my Bible. I'm going to keep saying no to the pull of the world. Everything you look at is tempting me. Everything, every, every, I love football. You guys know I love sports. Now they got gambling. Every other commercial is bet on this, bet on that. Drink this, party here. This is happening here. And it pulls on me. But what I've learned to do is say, God, is for me and my house, I'm going to stay in your word. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep walking with you. I'm going to overcome temptation. That's how I'm going to do it. you got to stay full of something better than what you're tempted with. Yes. you got to stay full with something better than what you're tempted with. You know those Burger King or pizza commercials when you're hungry? Man, you want to go just take a bite out of the TV, don't you? After you eat a Thanksgiving dinner, sit down and let one of them come on. You're like, the reason why many of us get tempted is because we haven't had no Thanksgiving meal. And that pizza's like, that's what I'm all about. Give me that nine. Give me that number. God says, get full. Taste and see that I'm better. And soon you won't be tempted by that. Sometimes I'm so full, I go, oh, that looks nasty. Number one, it ain't never, my whopper ain't never looking like that. You've been to the one on Ecourse Road. Anyway, you, secondly, I'm not even hungry for that no more. And the enemy will get some of us hit when our faith is hit to just come out and eat out of this. That God don't love you. He's left you. But I'm here to tell you that you need to taste something better than that. (laughs) And that's the word of God. That's the truth of God's word, that he's never leaving us. He's never forsaken us. He's given us a hope that eyes haven't seen, or ears haven't heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men of what God has prepared for those who love him. Father, we just love you in this place, and we thank you for your word.